0: This episode is brought to you by Uvo Kinesio Tape, Y U V O Kinesio Tape. Kinesio Tape is great if you're sore, banged up, or just kind of lazy. It's great to recover from your gym session, uh, those amateur sports sessions you guys are all playing in. Uh, look like a pro athlete with Uvo Kinesio Tape. Find it today at eBay's one store.
1: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen. This is your
0: Captain
1: Ricky Ricardo. Hi, right, everybody. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Swift Kicks podcast. I'm Alex Hooper. My co-host is Ben Green. Ben, what's going on? You know, living the dream.
0: Obviously, big news this week. We got Clint Dempsey at the age of 35, retiring from the sport of football, soccer for the Yanks. You know, in 231 appearances for Fulham, he scored 60 goals. I think the question of to- today's podcast is, is Clint Dempsey the best soccer player in U.S. history? What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you can easily make that argument that he was definitely like the American player that sort of changed the way that Europeans thought American soccer players were. I think everybody kind of thought of like an Alexi Lalas or maybe even like a Donovan, like a speedy guy had to be like Captain America all the time. He was definitely somebody that, you know, was kind of more European in many ways than others. He was a lot more skilled, a lot more tough. He had like that, you know, Texas grit with him as well. And At 35 years old, you know, it's not an uncommon age to retire, but it is kind of abrupt, you know. He did sort of just announce it kind of out of nowhere, I felt like. You usually see that transition
0: from stepping down from international football and then down to, you know, the club a year or two later so that you get the full farewell. But I will say something that's kind of refreshing about Clint Dempsey is you get a more genuine kind of reaction from this guy. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like this is the kind of guy that is – to be blunt, tearing up red cards when the ref sends them off. <laughs> yeah. And that might be my favorite Clint Dempsey moment, but I do think it was refreshing to get someone that wasn't, you know, your typical coach's favorite hustler. Great player, though. You know what I mean? Like, he's phenomenal. He made people around him look like good. The reason Michael Bradley had a spot in the U.S. team is because he had Clint Dempsey with him. Right. Um, and he personifies the American soccer dream, if you will. Oh, yeah. Um, He he definitely gets kind of uh, a lot of pressure, I think, and I think that's a lot for a lot of people to handle. But I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't think he's the best U.S. soccer player of all time, Alex. Who do you think is? I'm going to use a technicality, and I I know this is going to frustrate everyone, but the technicality here is Tim Howard is the best U.S. soccer player of all time um,
1: by far. Okay. I
0: know it doesn't count when it's a keeper, but, you know, That's that. So also coming up in today's podcast, we'll circle back to Clint Dempsey, but Kiko's going to be joining us again. Glad he could fit us in his schedule, and he'll be talking about the SPL, or La Liga, because SPL is the real SPL, which (laughs) is the Scottish Premier League.
1: You're still going with that, I see. You're Yep, uh...
0: that will be a year-long thing. Um, That or I'll forget about it for a couple weeks, and someone will remind me. So Clint Dempsey will come back up a little bit later in the day. We want to hear what you guys think. Is Clint Dempsey the best U.S. soccer player of all time? For me, it's, it's Tim Howard.
1: I do think the goal is a cheap way out, though. Yeah, it definitely is. That's a, that's a cop-out right there. That's a classic American answer. Um, yeah. Speaking of, So we'll put that up on Facebook. We'll talk about whether or not uh, you think Dempsey is the best player or not. But speaking of a Facebook poll that we had this week, we asked if Pogba or Mourinho is the person that is causing the most problems for Manchester United. And the answer is 60% Mourinho. It was pretty
0: split. I was kind of surprised. I kind of thought Marino was going to get slammed. Who, nah, who did you
1: pick? I, my vote was Jose. I think that uh, his negativity is just too much.
0: Yeah, I don't think he is the right fit for that team right now. But that being said, you can argue and be like, well, the players aren't, you know what I mean, the players aren't doing what you need them to do. They got bad attitudes. Pogba's not right in the head. All of those players are on that squad because Jose put them there. Keep that in mind. So it's not that Paul Pogba all of a sudden has a bad attitude. It's no Jose Mourinho put all of this talent around the table without considering the sports psychology aspect of it, and now it's biting him in the ass.
1: Yeah, um, for sure.
0: Yeah, that was that was a good pull. There's a. I
1: just think you know, really, there's no amount of like window dressing that can disguise or cover any of this up. I think it's all kind of all out in front there, and it's Manchester United too. So it's you know it's a prominent team around the world, and all of this is kind of airing out in front of everybody. And again if you were having good results, nobody would care, but they they just aren't as noted by this weekend.
0: Right. I, I I don't know, man. Like they just did not look good. Tottenham are not a good squad. They're definitely a top half of the table squad, but they're not you know what I mean if you're struggling against them, you're going to concede against pretty much everyone I mean I think
1: Tottenham's yeah. a good team but I, I i think it does ask the question though do you think that three 0 showing does it make Tottenham's decision not to get any new players over the summer look good or do you think it's just a one-off do they need to prove that point against uh maybe like a Chelsea or a man City too honestly I
0: think Tottenham beat a bad team so it's not that I think Tottenham were particularly savvy in the the transfer market I think no they they have a lot of work to do who like their games up to this point. Like Tottenham played you know, Newcastle barely snuck one by. Yeah. Fulham they beat pretty handily, but Man United was the first real showing. I think the real test is gonna be Sunday at eleven o'clock Eastern time when they face off against Watford. That I think is probably the game of the week coming
1: up. Yeah, I was just I was gonna say, you know, that's that's my game of the week. I we we asked earlier too on Facebook if if Watford could keep up the pace. They've got nine points from the three games that they have played so far. You can argue they haven't had really any tough, tough competition, but I think they've beaten out the teams that many thought that they maybe get draws against. So, coming up against Tottenham, that's a a good indicator, really, of where they actually are.
0: And we'll come back to the Premier League a little bit later. So, we got joining us now is our our resident La Liga fan, Kiko. How are you doing, my man? What's up,
2: guys? How's everyone doing? Hey, not bad. What's going on? Not much,
0: man. Living the dream. Kiko, just a heads up, man. Uh, Your boy Celso on Facebook came at us today to point out and reiterate the point, the age-old argument, that the Premier League
2: is the best league ever, period. What do you have to say to that? Um, I think, well, it depends the way you look at it. Competition-wise, yeah, I'd say it's probably the best one up there. But skill-wise, don't know if I'd put it at the very top. Yeah, there's a lot
0: of ugly games that do occur in the Premier League. And it's it, it comes down to the physical nature of the Premier League, whereas you got a little bit more emphasis on the touch and foot skills overseas right so what's been going on in la liga so far what do you have for us
2: i mean you know just like the english league you can't really look at the table yet it's only two weeks in so not to read too much into it but um you know a couple of the big headlines are uh la liga coming in to try and play a couple of games in the u.s for the next 15 years i believe this is the deal you know honestly i don't i don't hate it as a fan but i guess the players union is going to strike against this
1: yeah they were like threatening to strike cuz they i guess pretty much nobody had told them what was going on and it was just sprung
2: upon them do you think do you think it'll come down to that or do you think they'll they'll work some sort of deal out and figure it out i think they'll work something out i mean i don't think anyone's dumb enough over there to see that they do need to expand their market you know more revenue more money and i'm not really going to talk about the economical stances cuz this isn't a political show but they're not making as much as they were in the past in Spain right now.
1: Right. Do you think uh, there's some reports that they could possibly even play a match in Mexico? Uh, Do you think that would have been a better, maybe an easier step to make?
2: I think so. I think the fan base is bigger in mexico obviously as the u.s is just starting to grow with the soccer phase i think it would have been a a nice baby step to jump in there before coming and just jumping into the u.s where soccer is not the most popular sport right uh so do you think that the league has been suffering from
1: a lack of cristiano ronaldo
2: uh i do you know um you know numbers don't lie they showed that real madrid's first opening game was the attendance was way down compared to when they had ronaldo and Mm. you know he has that effect no matter what team you root for? If Ronaldo's coming to your town, you're gonna go watch him. Yeah, he, he sells
0: tickets. Yeah, yeah. So he isn't scoring hiatus right now. He hasn't broken the seal yet for Juventus. Granted, it's like the third game, so like you can't really read into that. He's got one assist. He's not really making that big of an impact. But I think he's surrounded by great players. I think Juventus might be one of those European powerhouses this year, where that they just come in and I think they have a well diverse team. Yeah, I think I've but, seen
1: plenty around that's like uh, you know. Juventus really got him to score all those goals in the Champions League to get him to that point. You know, they're on, I mean, they're odds on favorite all the time to win that Italian league. Um, but the Champions League has kind of been their their for the past couple of years. So they I think that's what they're really hoping that he can lift himself up in clubs. Right.
2: <laughs> Kiko, how do you think Barcelona are looking this year? They're not looking bad, to be honest. I haven't really seen too much of them. I've been, you know, more focused on Madrid and looking at Via Real and Sevilla and Valencia. Because, you know, you're going to get what you get from Barca. They're already a stacked team. So, I already feel like they're going to have a good season no matter what. So, I'm not reading much yeah. into them. They don't look that... I, I did catch a couple of highlights in a couple of minutes of the game the other day against
0: uh, Vala... I'm going to screw this up. Vala Dalid. Um, they won 1-0. Nailed But it. it was like an <laughs> u- ugly win. You know what I mean? Like, it, it looks
2: like Barcelona were barely hanging on. Yeah, I mean... I mean, we have too many new players that they have to adjust to as a team first. You know, it is the first two weeks. They still got to find their roles and find how they're going to play. Like any other team, except for Man United, they're they're destined for failure. Oh right? God, a trash. And it's bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, Barcelona
1: was so right about now. to get Pogba.
0: Yeah, boy, <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. All right, Kiko. So, hey, thank you for coming in and filling us out uh, in on some of the Spanish Premier League, La Liga. It's greatly appreciated, man. And we'll catch you next week. All right, sounds good, fellas. Take care.
1: All right, good stuff there with Kiko. So let's move back to the Premier League, Ben. What was uh, something that stood out to you this weekend?
0: Man United are terrible. Yes. That was the big one for me. Um, I think United look, look rough. And, and I hate to just – I don't think that's a biased like, fan being like, oh, it's the end of the world. I genuinely don't think we look good. A 3-0 loss to a mid-table team, upper half of the table, I guess, is, is not good. Fulham, I think, are a little better than I thought. But, again, I'm going to go back to Liverpool. And I give Liverpool a hard time, but they barely scrape by Brighton. And, you know, you do have three points of three points, but that was pretty – Pretty large and impactful, and I guess the big, the huge surprise is seeing Man City kind of take a stumble.
1: Yeah, and yeah.
0: you know it's bad when you're considering a one-one draw on the road, a stumble. The idea is you take points away on the road, and they did. What were your thoughts on that one?
1: Uh, I mean, that one that was a, a a great early surprise. I think you know for the league to have Man City stumble that early, you know, it just opens up the door to a lot more conversations going on. You know, I I don't think we would be. I think maybe we would be a little more critical of Liverpool. I mean, we'd definitely walk Watford off as a fluke. You know, you wouldn't look at some of these teams in such a better light than we are now because Man City lost two points early. And that's, you know, in the Premier League, it's very hard to make that up. You know, coming up, they, they play Newcastle, so they'll get three points there. But, you know, it, they again, they just shouldn't be losing that early on to a team like Wolves, who realistically, like you said home away wherever you are you should be taking those three points um back to man united it's it's i agree with you it's just really really looking rough i mean there is a little bit of a silver lining they're off to their their worst start since the 92 93 season but in that season they went on to win the league by 10 points so you know if you want to take it from that viewpoint you're looking pretty good right now
0: yeah i'm not gonna take it from that viewpoint at all i you know 92, 93, that's when Alex Ferguson was on the chopping block. It's yeah. also when you had Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, Phil Neville, Gary Neville, Dev, David yeah. Beckham, Eric Cantona. Yeah, you were getting like, all that, that golden but generation. But you know what I will say, though? Part of that year was about taming Eric Cantona, another egotistical Frenchman. And it's not about being French in this situation. It's just a strange parallel between him and Pogba. But... um. Yeah, it's it's rough, man. I don't know that we can sit here and be like, it's Jose Mourinho or Pogba. But one thing I did want to point out, just going back to the Premier League as a whole, I don't know when I've ever seen as many red cards this early in the year. We got eight red cards. We're yeah. three weeks in. <laughs> and I think Everton have had one every game. Phil Jagelka got one against Wolves. They didn't get one the second game, and then they got another one this weekend against Bournemouth. Yep. And that's, you know... I don't know if that's just like is that Everton being a physical team or is that just like what's going on? Eight red cards so early is almost a statement from the referee Yeah, saying, hey, we're going to start off strict and we'll ease up later on down the road.
1: Yeah, you know, um, it's, but it's that, interesting. I heard something about um, English refereeing lately. Um, if you look back at the World Cup, you know, even with the VAR staff, there were no English officials at the World Cup. And normally, you know, English officials are kind of, held up pretty highly. I mean, they've done a couple of the past World Cup finals and stuff like that. And it was just an interesting discussion about how the refereeing might have slipped. Um, and, you know, we don't have VAR like some of the other leagues are starting to introduce. Um, I know the Bundesliga put it in. So it's, it's just interesting, you know, on that side of the field, are those kind of things slipping? And does that hurt the game?
0: Yeah, I don't think it does. I think it's a, it's a physical league. The refs are trying to show that they can control the game without VAR. And I think it's, we're going to crack down early, set the tone. And, and it's it's crazy, man. Like eight red cards in three weeks. Yep. It makes the games interesting. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, like sure. I'm pretty sure that's why Bournemouth are tying with Everton. Yeah. And then they had a red. Huddersfield had one this week as well. And so did Southampton. Yep. And red cards, I think, are so much more detrimental at this level than many other levels just because, like, playing a man down is nearly impossible.
1: Yeah. A lot of you guys hard.
0: that have right. A lot of you guys that have played keep away know the understand like it's it's tough tracking that down, yet alone when people can pass ninety eight percent accuracy on a dime at all times. So it's it's interesting. But going back to Man United, man, like let's let's just take a moment to put ourselves in the shoes of Jose Mourinho and what do you think that job performance review looks like? Like, do you think pro coaches get merit increases?
1: No. Or are you just, like, think, constantly contract? I mean, I don't know. Negotiate. Maybe, they, maybe like, they kind of get, like, like, a bonus. I'm sure that there's stuff, like I said, man, you are smart enough and have done this long enough that I'm right. sure they have great contract writers where if they have to let somebody go, you know, there's, there's clauses that they only get X amount. And I'm sure there's, you know benefits too like if you do so well right. then you get x amount but <laughs> looking at it right now he's definitely not making any of his uh making any of his goals
0: we ought to ask our, our resident physio sometime down the road what the medical benefits look like for a a professional coach
1: right like it well, has gotta be crazy. Getting, like two for teeth cleanings? like what's going on here
0: right like you, you granted they got the nhs but you don't have to pay copays. true like, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like <laughs> They definitely have HSAs, um, so that, that's interesting. Going back to the referee situation, who do you think? Who is the best or worst ref of all time, in your opinion?
1: The best ref? Uh, What's that Italian? The bald Italian ref? Kalina. Yeah.
0: The dude is terrifying.
1: Yeah, he was amazing though. He was always so good. He was like kind of like legendary among some of the players too.
0: Right. He's got unbelievable banter. I feel like, you know what I mean, he used to joke around. Yeah. Um, A dream matchup for me would be seeing, you remember when Ibrahimovic waved over a ref? Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine if you tried that with Kalina? I feel like Kalina would have spanked him. Yeah. I feel like Kalina would have bent him over his knee and spanked him. If I ever get the opportunity to ask Kalina a question, I'm going to ask him what he thought about.
1: Zlatan Ibrahimovic calling the ref over when he was getting booked. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I'd ask him. Thoughts on Howard Webb?
1: You know, I actually – I don't mind Howard Webb. I know he gets a lot of stick. Uh, but I think that he's a pretty solid referee. Um, I think that he's always thrown into some really high-intensity games, and that's why there's like a lot of uh, emotionally charged statements that are made about him. But I think that he handles himself pretty well. Um, I, I think the I worst think. guy, though, is – So, do you remember way back in the day, 2002, when South Korea knocked out Italy 2 1 overtime in the World Cup? Yeah. 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 So, that referee was Byron Moreno, and it was pretty much his decision and his actions that led up to South Korea going all the way through to I think they even made it to like the third fourth place game. So um, he's my uh he's my guy. He's the worst person ever.
0: He he gave out uh, most yellow cards and red cards in a game. And that was no no no, that was the South Korea that was the ref from that game. Yeah, you're absolutely
1: right. Yeah, it was uh what did he do? He he gave out like I think it was like almost seven minutes or something at the end of the game, which there was no reason. And then he let right. the game go on for like 13 more minutes afterwards. It was right. so ridiculous. Like the goal right. was scored in the 101st minute. He, he sent off Toddy. Yeah. Right. Which is not and then, so surprising,
0: but yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I mean this in the very much, you know, that same argument I have about the women's team earning the same amount as the men's team. They, there's not the same kind of, limelight on Ecuadorian soccer yeah. to warrant this gentleman being in the World Cup. And I think he he does well. I think it – you know what I mean? Like he's probably a pretty good ref, but like there should be some people that handle it. But you know what's funny is he did serve a 20-game suspension for rigging the game. <laughs> Like that totally went under the radar. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That's the things you don't hear about.
1: Yeah, exactly. Two thousand and two news that you didn't you didn't know about, you heard it here first.
0: If uh, the US men's team screw the US women's team,
1: who would win? <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough one. The, yeah. the the men's team, it depends on who they put out because they would try and play like their under twenty one team and they'd probably still lose. I'm gonna go with the women's yeah. I think the women's team would win.
0: Yeah, I don't think the U.S. team could get themselves out of that. I think Michael Bradley would be outmatched physically um, and mentally. So I think he would be the downfall of that. I, I think I agree with you on that. Yeah. And hence they have more hardware. I also think the U.S. women's national team has a bigger presence at international soccer games. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they have a good following.
1: Oh, yeah. And they definitely draw more people. Right. Speaking about uh, people that draw in more fans, let's talk about Usain Bolt trying to dude, grow pro. I think, yeah,
0: yeah, I think this is incredible. I have been hoping Man United, because he was linked to Man United over and over again. Yeah. Had him practice. Yeah. I don't, like, I know he's probably not that great talent-wise. Right. And you know what? I will go out there and put a thing on the line for him. He needs to be in a league that has VAR because he is going to be so fast that people won't believe he was onside. You know what I mean? Like as a ref, you're going to pick your head up and he's going to be 10 yards past the guy and be like he was offside. You know what I mean? So I feel like he needs to be in a league that has VAR I am so excited to see how that pans
1: out. Yeah, so he's currently he's uh trying out for some Australian team right now in the A League. The the coach of the team is saying that they're that he's struggling with more than anything else right now is just getting used to like the soccer fitness. Um, you know it's just a completely different level of training it's not just like hey run from here to here as fast as you can you know um, they say he's got down like the basic soccer skills there's no real problem with that it's just being able to do it at the speed it's funny that he said this it's funny it's it's all about him being able to do it at the speed that we do it which you know you wouldn't think that speed being a factor for you, St. Bolt but apparently it is um, and it's Uh, Usain Bolt coming back and saying, for me, it's the stop and goes, the tic-tacs, because I'm not used to picking up speed, going back down, and stuff like that. So he says that's the the biggest challenge for him.
0: It's a completely different scenario for him because you go from using fast-twitch muscles to slow-twitch muscles. This will impact him as an Olympic sprinter. Like, in a negative way. So, like, I think it, you know what I mean? I think this has always been his end goal. Like, I think he's accomplished everything he can. I mean, he is an retired Olympic from
1: Olympic sprinting. So, this is, this right. is like, his, his swan song, right. if you will. Um, The Australian exactly. league starts in October, too. So, he's got a little bit of
0: time. Right. But I, I definitely think, I don't know that that's necessarily, he's a big boy, too. Like, it's not, I don't think that's just them saying, like, hey, this guy's fast, he'll sell tickets. I think he is that fast when he is running, but he's also 6'5", 207 pounds. Yeah, that's a big he's guy. He's not a small guy. Yeah,
1: that's a target, man. You know what
0: I mean? You get him in the box, it, I wonder what his touch is like. You know what I mean? It also reminds me of the time Ocho Cinco almost made it as a soccer player. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's um, very similar.
0: Yeah, that's what that reminded me of. But, dude, I'm excited to see how that plays out. I'm, I'm rooting on him. I want to see that come through.
1: Yeah, it begs the question, though, if you were a manager, would you sign him?
0: It depends on a couple of things. I want to know, for instance— if I have a large Jersey buying audience, then yes. Otherwise, it would come down to if he was the best man for the job. And what what squad is it that's trying them out right now? Uh,
1: it's the Central Coast Mariners. So they're like just north of Sydney.
0: How good are they?
1: So the Central Coast Mariners won the league in 2012-13. Uh, and they... That was the only time that they've won. Looks like Melbourne and Sydney are you, your your top two teams there.
0: Right. And Newcastle are up there. Yeah. And it looks like, actually, the Central Coast Mariners are towards the bottom. Yeah. And you know what though Like, if one in doubt, play kickball, that dude's running under it.
1: Yeah, exactly. You, you need somebody to make a quick run down the sideline. You got your guy.
0: We're also assuming they're going to put him up front. You know what I mean? Like, is he a center back? Like, can he finish?
1: Yeah. That's,
0: that's another thing. If he can't finish, maybe he's playing center back. So we'll we'll have to follow through with that in October. And yep. Follow up with you guys if he makes the cut and let you guys know how that's going. But definitely exciting things going for Usain Bolt just because I know he's been trying to break into the sport. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um,
0: my, my next question for you is going back to the Prem. Three teams worse than Newcastle. Do we have an update on that?
1: Uh, so I still have Huddersfield down there. They look terrible. I think West Ham... And then my third team to get in there and go down would be Southampton. I think that those three teams, I think West Ham and Huddersfield are definitely going to be down. And then it's really a Southampton, and it depends on how Newcastle pulls out the rest of the season uh, to see if they can pull away from that bottom three. But I think Southampton probably will go down as well.
0: Yeah, I think right now I'm going to say Man United. Man United definitely are worse than Newcastle right now. Would be. <laughs>
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, I could see so, them as, as playing just, worse than them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are yeah, some teams that are out there current form, yeah, yes, current form. But I, I, don't think Man United's going down.
0: No, definitely not. My bottom three have to be West Ham, Southampton, and probably Huddersfield, or possibly Brighton, Hove, and Albion. I think they got very lucky. So I think I'm. I, West Ham, are, you're out. We we agree on that. Yep. they're done. Yep. Let's talk real quick before we dive into this week's up and coming games, dude. Newcastle looked like, looked awesome. I thought they did well. I think they got a little bit unlucky, but I I was impressed, man. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they definitely came in with a strong defensive tactic, but I think we talked about this last weekend too, was with the fact that, you know, some teams... You know, they do. They just dig their heels in when you're coming up against the likes of Man City or your Man United even, you know, kind of still brings that with them. Arsenal, you know, the top six. Most teams are definitely going to play a a stronger defense than they are, and they're going to hope for a counterattack for their offense. And I thought we did that pretty well. We definitely, you know, denied Chelsea getting any, even really any shots on goal. You know, nobody was really testing our keeper or anything like that. Um, And on the counterattack, I thought we did look good. Um, We actually looked and moved like a cohesive unit. It It was nice to see. I do think that we got, really, we got unlucky. The penalty, I don't think it was a penalty, and that's not just from being a fan's perspective. I think we won the ball, and then... You know the dragging leg behind caught the player, and it's like, well, you play the ball first always, so that should be that shouldn't have been a penalty. But then you could also argue, you know, Newcastle's goal did Yedlin elbow Giroud in the face, sure, but also was part of the game, you know, get up and do whatever. And then it was a great header, like honestly, that was a great goal. Right. Yeah. And then we kind of some some karma afterwards, and Yedlin scored an own goal, which. I yeah. think that, that was going to go in either way. If Yedlin hadn't have poked it, I think there was somebody waiting right behind him who would have just had a clean tap-in. But, you know, to come out 2-1, I think we were talking a little bit before this, saying that, you know, as a Newcastle fan, A, they gave you hope, and then they tore it all away. That's kind of standard. But you do start playing this what-if game. You know, you look at some of our games. We played pretty well against Tottenham, too. You could have said in the, in the first game. Really could have probably come away with a draw there. That's a point. Um, and then against Cardiff City, we had a penalty in the 94th minute. Should have won. That would have been four points. And then you could have argued that we could have at least got a point out of Chelsea. So, we should be sitting on five, but instead we're on one, and we have Man City coming up next week. So, what, <laughs> you know, now the pressure is really on, and it, and it shouldn't really be that hard. Did, did you see any of the stats from,
0: like, the stat sheet from the Chelsea Newcastle game this week? Oh, yeah. It was
1: just an absolute bloodbath if you're looking at, like, passes and possession and all that kind of stuff 82%
0: possession. But the best part of that is there was only three shots on goal. Right
1: that's what i'm saying like we played very good defensively and that you know maybe that's a strong sign to look forward to in the future is that okay our defense is working as a unit even though you you, you know lascelles wasn't there we've kind of refused to play right back so we played three in the back but maybe that worked you know maybe that maybe there is a, a little bit of a change up needed a shake up if you will from rafa and you know I just really hope we can do something, something, anything against Man City because we've got Man City, Arsenal, uh, and then I think we play – or we do play Crystal Palace, and then I think we have like one other big team right after that. So I do think you guys have the
0: roughest schedule out of many of the – Yeah, I mean, but
1: the thing is too, it's like, you know, I mean, it, it does come down to, you know, like I said, the pressures of things after a while. But we would have had to play these teams anyway. So, you know, might as well get it over with, if you will. But we definitely need to be pulling out some results soon. Otherwise, it's going to be tough.
0: Hey, what's going on in the locker room there? There's some drama going on.
1: Yeah, so like I said, LaSalle's didn't play... Uh, this past weekend, and Matt Ritchie took over the the captaincy, um, and I think he did pretty well. And Matt Ritchie's always – he's been one of those players that stuck with us when we went down the last time, came back up. Um, he's very much – he's all for the club, and it, it's good to see. Um, but he – Matt Ritchie and Lascelles kind of got into it a bit. It looks like on the training ground they had to be broken up. You know, They, they got into a little scuffle, and they had to be broken up by other players on the pitch. So – it's not good, um, you know. May, I hope it was out of passion as opposed to you know just pure anger and frustration. Um, and maybe they can use it as a learning tool. But uh, it's it's just always not know, good man. to see. I feel
0: like I feel like LaSalle might, might be a little toxic in this one, just because Richie took the club against Chelsea, played played the game plan to perfection. Benitez, being the genius that he is, is like, all right, we're gonna park the bus, we're gonna play counterattack in and soccer. Really out coached didn't out coach Chelsea but like he he is the reason why Newcastle are in that game and we're having this conversation in the first place right so I think LaSalle might be a bit of the issue there and kind of uh not necessarily causing issues but he's getting left out of the squad he's refusing to play positions there's there's definitely some issues going on there
1: yeah I mean it's um, interesting like I said it. it and all that stuff will come out again. You know, you've seen it with Manchester United. These are big clubs. Everything comes out in the English press. You know, presses for things like that. So, all those stuff. Any if there's anything bad that's going on, it'll all come in and air out. Um, but I do think, again, like you said, Rafa is really good at handling. i you know, he's been around some big clubs that have definitely had you know big egos around there and stuff like that. He definitely knows how to handle those situations. So I think he'll be good with that um i do want to bring up though so you remember how we said that the owner mike ashley bought uh that clothing store yes so he has i think he closed like two of the stores and he's like laid off like 100 people like right away so (laughs) so our brand new signing is can't even do well (laughs) what like why is this going on right now you
0: know what i mean like (laughs) you know he's not the one doing it but like yeah, you know I mean, you know he's got a guy advising there, you know, someone, some lady, someone's, you know, running the show for him there. But,
1: yeah, come on, bro. <laughs> you're,
0: you're dropping the ball on all the fronts right now. Yeah, he's the so, worst.
1: He needs to sell. Just like, uh, did you see the report that Chelsea's owner is apparently looking to sell as well? Yeah, it was like
0: $2 billion, I think I saw.
1: Yeah, which which wouldn't two and a half billion, which wouldn't be too bad because he he only bought it for like hundred and forty million pounds in two thousand and three.
0: You know what though? (laughs) We gotta go fund me for this. This is this is our shot. Right. I want a Roman Abramovich yacht. And that's that. Like we are that's that's where we're headed. So just so you guys know, we're we're gonna be buying that. We're putting in a bid. We should send him a formal offer for like five hundred bucks and see what happens. Hey,
1: I'll give you twenty dollars. We're not even <laughs> right. fans of the club, but I'll do it.
0: <laughs> we think your investment would go really far. Like yeah. I just want the rejection letter to frame and show all of our loyal listeners. Uh you know you know what's crazy, man? Hmm. I think I keep giving Liverpool a bad rap. They're currently sitting on top yep. of of the table. And one thing that stands out to me about all of this I'm also kind of riding Tottenham pretty hard as well, but one thing that stands out to me about all of this is, is it just me or does Jurgen Klopp look like a Bond villain?
1: Absolutely. He's like... <laughs> like,
0: classic Bond villain, definitely owns cats. Yes. Oh, right? definitely. So, definitely
1: has like a lair.
0: Right. Like, I feel like he lives in a cave somewhere and sleeps upside down. Like, he is definitely a Bond villain. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. I just... I think Fernando tagged us in a picture on Facebook, and all that came to mind was like Doctor No, (laughs) the (laughs) ultimate Bond villain, and I was just like, "Oh god, yeah, like this is this is for real." Yeah,
1: Um, and he's perfectly like German enough to just be weird that he would be something like like that.
0: Right. And, like, you, you definitely just the the meme out there is, is pretty good. You guys got to check it out. Yeah. Uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, I
1: was just going to say, speaking of Liverpool, I think uh, look at the Liverpool-Leicester game. Um, that'll be a, a good test for, for Liverpool going forward. Can um, they stick out on top? You also have Watford versus Spurs. So I think that's a big test for both of those teams is Tottenham as good as they looked. Is Watford as good as they look? Can they keep up that pace? You know, if they go four for four, you know, they're sitting on 12 points. You always argue that you need about 40 to stay afloat. So they're well on their way to that, if anything. And then Manu Burnley. Got to see how Manu's doing. You know, I think that's – Manu is just the team to always watch right now and not necessarily for good reasons.
0: Out of those two games, though, Watford, Tottenham. Man U-Burnley, both at 11 a.m. on Sunday. Which game are you televising?
1: Uh, I'll be watching the Watford Spurs game.
0: You know what, man? I think that's the game of the week. I definitely think that's – it's definitely got the most in it for me. I think Watford are going to prove to everyone that they're for real. Yeah. I think they're going to come in. I think it's going to be a 2-0 beating. I don't think it's going to be like a big – two. you know how 2-0 can sometimes be a huge 2-0 or a close 2-0. I think it's going to be a 2-0 game where they – They work for it. It's a tough game, but they prove over time. You'll see like a late second goal. Um, And then, you know, I I also think, Grant, dude, all these games are great to watch. Let's get real. Yeah, Everton could see another spread card against Huddersfield. Who knows? I think arsenal Cardiff City has some benefits to it as well because I don't think Arsenal are that great. No, but it was good to see them get a
1: win. I think that changes uh, their mentality a lot.
0: And they're going back. No, they're on the road still. They're going out to Wales. And, you know, those Welsh fans, they don't mess around.
1: Yeah, lots of sheets.
0: And we can pause there for you guys to make the connection (laughs) because we won't. Ah! And we're back. (laughs) So, yeah, really, I think Wolves should hand West Ham their ass on a plate. Uh, Fulham over Brighton. And Southampton Crystal Palace might be the bore off of the week.
1: Yes, definitely. 100% agree with that. You're
0: going to have, like, a negative goal to a negative goal tie like they both both teams will leave the game owing us goals. Um <laughs> I don't know that that's possible. I right, I'm taking Liverpool. I know I know you pointed that one out. I think you're gonna see Liverpool come in there, three 0 three one. Yeah. Um Man Manu, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's a one all draft. I think Man U will tie with Burnley one one.
1: Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that'll yeah. I don't know if that's a good result either way. That's terrible. Yeah. I, I don't
0: yeah, I, I think we're I don't think United will be in trouble for the long run. I think they're going to struggle for the first half of the season. Yeah, I think coming out of January, you're going to see a different squad. But I, I do believe that we're going to have a tough run at it against Burnley uh, just because the way we're playing right now is not good. It's hard to break those streaks, especially when you're in the media getting slammed so often. Right. Um, honestly, the best thing that could happen to Man United right now is you could have some drama at another club. Get the pressure off them, get the light off them, let them regroup and come back. Uh, so we'll, we'll stay tuned and see how that plays out. Right, again, game of the week, Wofford Tottenham, Sunday at
1: 11. Definitely. Uh, that's it for us on this episode. Uh, if you want to check us out on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash swiftkickspodcast. And we are on Twitter, it's at real swiftkicks. So for now, guys, we'll talk to you later.
0: Peace
2: out.